At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip in the guest co-host chair. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis. Talk a little Ole Miss basketball recruiting, the offseason, Franco Miller, the surprise program of the last year. Has it been a year? Does it count yet? No. No. Baseball season isn't over. I don't know. Hey, Bennett. What's up, man? You, you didn't even stop me while I was confused. I was just going to let you kind of do your thing, kind of figure out your path. So I wasn't going to uh, – I was just going to let you speak your truth there. I've been talking a lot this week podcast-wise. That's the problem. I got brain fog. Talking Game of Thrones, Bunky Perkins, Nick Suss, Kermit Davis. My mind space is everywhere right now. I hear you. I hear you. At some point, it just becomes a little overwhelming, I imagine. Yes, it does. But Ole Miss baseball has got a big series coming up this weekend against Mississippi State. That's really the only big thing happening at Ole Miss right now. The calendar has gotten to the place where when you sit down a podcast, it's hard to come up with something engaging about Ole Miss specifically. Kermit Davis is great. He's coming up in about 10, 15 minutes, maybe a little longer than that. I don't know. But... Outside of baseball, not a lot going on, but it's important. This weekend is important. It's the in-state rival, but more importantly than that, Ole Miss is pursuing a host position. And right now, I think they're 17th in the RPI, 17-18. Probably need to get into the top 14. No SEC team outside of the RPI top 14 has hosted since 2010 or 11. I had it in a story I wrote for the Ole Miss Spirit, OleMissSpirit.com, can't remember exactly. And that means Ole Miss... Probably needs to win this weekend, just win two or three, and win next weekend against Tennessee two or three. So four out of six, it sounds like a lot, but if you're Ole Miss baseball, you've kind of put yourself in this position. At least you know what you got to do. Because if you want to jump three spots in the RPI, you got to win, period. Exactly. So it's like, I think the good thing is Mississippi State is good. So from an RPI standpoint, you look at Mississippi State, they're super high up there. It's an opportunity at home to win a couple games. You can find a way to win two. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but you do it. And then the good thing about Tennessee is, yeah, you're going on the road, and and it's a road series in the SEC. 
and they're they're a top ten RPI RPI team, but they're not that good. Like they're they're not a lock for a bid or anything. Like their their RPI is inflated because they played a bunch of good teams, but they haven't beaten a bunch of people. They had a really good series against Georgia, but other than that, they just haven't done a whole lot. So I think Ole Miss gets a benefit there in that they can stack up a couple of really good RPI wins that come a little bit easier than you would expect. Uh, you know, whatever they are, a top eight or whatever they are RPI. So going on the road, I think there's a really good chance here for Ole Miss to kind of boost it up. For as much fury there's been during the season, the road for Ole Miss is just kind of right there in front of them. They've just kind of got to go out there and figure it out. Ole Miss will have to contend with bad weather, as will Mississippi State. Friday, it's 80%, 90% on Saturday, and early showers, 50% on Sunday. So you're going to get Sunday in. But the question is, if one of those two games on Friday or Saturday gets rained out and you got to play a doubleheader, for Ole Miss, those are the words it never wants to hear. <laughs> like, <laughs> ever wants to hear. Because when well, Ole Miss I plays think, doubleheaders, it doesn't win. I think in a perfect world, school's out, basically. Ole Miss has graduation Saturday. But you, you would think that there would be a way, even if you've got to move the schedule around, to where you could play a doubleheader but just play two nine-inning games. Like, Ole Miss's issue is they don't do well when you shorten those games and they become seven-inning doubleheaders. That's where Ole Miss has their problems. So – you would think, given that from an academic standpoint and school calendar and all that, and since Mississippi State's not coming from super far away, you would think that there would be a way to figure it out to play a, a doubleheader someday and, and just make it two nine-inning games as opposed to trying to shrink everything into two seven-innings. But that requires logic and whatever, and the SEC doesn't usually always have that, unfortunately. So, yeah, you're, you're right, though. If almost does have to do two seven-inning games – that becomes pretty problematic from a track record standpoint. Ole Miss is 2-11 in its last 13 against Mississippi Ooh. State. Not great. Not great, Bob. Not Mississippi great. State pitches really well. That's what they do best, right? They're not terrible at the bat. I mean, they got Jake Mangum, so him alone going to have a pretty Jake decent offense Mangum. there. <laughs> um, I know Ole Miss, and we'll be happy to see him leave after the season. He's fantastic. But the pitching obviously kind of – gets all the attention. I mean, Ethan Small is really good. They've got JT Ginn, who is the big-time freshman. So they've got plenty of arms. So um, I I think if you like pitching, this is a really good series for you to kind of sit down and enjoy your weekend and watch a a couple really good rotations go at it. Just as Ole Miss will be happy to see Jake Mangum leave after this year, Mississippi State, specifically its beat, will be sad. (laughs) The love that Jake Mangum gets, he's untouchable. It's almost, but not quite, almost Dakalov. It's getting there. It's not quite. That might be a bridge too far. Yeah, I'm not that's sure. a different sphere. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a different sphere. And to be fair, I mean, Jake Mangum's like really fun. Like, he's really good. It's easy to see why he's well-liked and all that kind of stuff. So, no knock on him. He's a he's a fantastic baseball player. And Oh, no, he, no, it's just on those Oh, no, dorks. I hear you. I hear you. Brian yeah. Haydad, you dork. You big old <laughs> dork. He's a friend. I joke, but yeah, it's fun to make fun of their love affair with Jake Mangum. If he ended up in a Braves uniform come June, I wouldn't be um, upset in the least. So, Ooh, how could that happen? Is he going to be early? I don't think he'll be super early, but I, I think he's got a really strong track record of elite production at, in the biggest conference in the in the country. So, I don't think he's like a first round guy or anything. But you know, I, I think day two, whether it's kind of the back end of the top 10 rounds or anything like that, I, I think I would be pretty aggressive in going out to get him just from a skill set standpoint. He's a guy that I like to have in, in my organization, especially um, the one that I root for. So I think um, I'd, I'd be pretty okay with that if that somehow worked out. Here you go. Name the best pro on the field this weekend. Ooh, that's tough. Um, I mean, Mangum, obviously, um, but I think you're, you're probably leaning toward a pitcher. It's either Ethan Small or, or JT Ginn. I mean, Ginn was a first-round pick. I mean, those guys don't really grow on trees, and his stuff is just ridiculous. So there's a lot of projection there. Um, so probably Ginn, and, the, and I think if you're looking at Ole Miss, Cooper Johnson's going to be a fantastic pro player. Um, the, the question is going to be how much does he hit? You know, Does he – um, hit enough to where he becomes a starting catcher somewhere, or is he just a really, really great backup catcher? Um, I think Greg Kessinger is going to be a good pro, uh, but I think you kind of would lean toward one of the arms uh, being the, the best pro in the field. 
that's the sneaky thing about Ole Miss baseball. You came into the year and you could pick out who would be the pro guys, right? You could go Will Etheridge, Gray, Thomas Dillard's bat, even though he's positionless. Cooper Johnson has made his way into being the first guy that's probably going to be taken of all of these guys. There's not a whole lot of buzz there from a from a draft standpoint, and it surprises me just because the way baseball works now uh, from a catching standpoint, there's so much value on framing and defense and uh, maybe less value on the arm now because there's fewer stolen bases than, than in years past. But from a, just a uh, defensive and, and framing standpoint, Cooper's really good at that kind of stuff. And so – it does surprise me that there's not a whole lot of buzz there, but I also just wonder at this point if that's a lot of teams just trying to keep their interest kind of tucked away. So as much of a secret as he can be playing at the SEC level at a big school, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some of that going on too. Like Cole Zabowski's coming back to school. He has no position. He'll be back as a senior. But it wouldn't surprise me at this point if one of Gray or Thomas, I don't think it's likely – I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if one of those type of guys didn't get the draft that they wanted. Now, most of these guys are going to get drafted in a position to where they can't improve their stock at all coming back as a senior. You actually hurt your stock going back as a senior, and they're just going to go. But it wouldn't surprise me if somebody surprisingly didn't get the draft that they wanted and they come back to school. I can see that. I mean, I think the tough thing, I would be surprised if it was great because I think he's hit so well. He's got the pedigree. I mean, th- there's a lot of stuff that baseball teams are going to love when they look at Greg Kessinger from just a total package standpoint that I, that I would find it hard to believe that he would be that guy. I think Dillard becomes a, a question for multiple reasons. It, it's not just a performance thing, but it's also a, a, a positional thing for him. I mean, is he a left fielder full time? Is he can he catch at all? I mean, what what do you do with him? He's a fascinating kind of test case about, you know, where do you put him as opposed to is his bat played better at this position or that position? Can he handle this position athletically? So I think there's a lot of questions there for for Thomas Dillard, but there's obviously some tools to work with. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if one team kind of fell in love there and just kind of dreamed a little bit. But I do think there's some questions there for sure. The thing with Thomas is his bat was going to be the thing that carried him professionally. That's what was going – to get teams to fall in love with him. And the bat has had some issues this year. I'm talking about power. What makes him stand out? What makes him Thomas Dillard, great college baseball player, home run derby kind of dude, the power. And if you're not hitting for that consistent power, which he hasn't, his first home run since March was against LSU this weekend. That hurts you in some way. Now, will it hurt him enough to fall? I don't know. I don't think so, but... That's something that could be used against well, It's him. also from like a projection standpoint, you look at Thomas and he's pretty much maxed out. Like, you know, he's not going to, he's not a super tall guy. He's extremely, like he's extremely well built. He's in great shape. But from a physical standpoint, he's kind of maxed out there. He kind of is what he is. You're not going to, it's not like you're drafting a guy, Gunnar Hoagland, and you can say in three or four years, he's going to add another 20, 30 pounds and you know another inch in height and some more velocity on the fastball. For better or for worse, Thomas kind of is what he is. So there's no projection there as well. So at that point, you're kind of getting into, okay, what's the floor here? What's the upside? And I think you're, you're looking at more of a higher floor than a super high ceiling or anything like that. Baseball America's draft rankings, they've got Ethan Small at 113. Um, so I think he's probably your, your best bet of the draft eligible guys for, for being a, a big time pro. But JT Ginn is just his stuff is so good. That's the kind of guy that goes to college, stays healthy and ends up in the top 15 picks. Shouts to Gunnar Hogland, by the way. He's turned it around. He's pitched really well. Kind of sold short on Sunday. He was pitching well. His defense didn't help him out. Anthony Cervideo dropped a routine fly ball in right field. Gunnar Hogland's pitching well. And if you got Doug Nikhazy doing what he's doing on Saturday and put Gunnar Hogland behind him, the consistency of Will Etheridge, you have a shot. If you do host, you have a real shot so long as these guys stay on their current tracks. Well, that, that's always been the thing. It was Hoagland kind of figuring things out has been so big. And, and Nikhazy, obviously, has been massive. Figuring out Saturday. So when you get into a regional thing and, it, and it's Etheridge and it's Nikhazy and you've got Hoagland and you've got Karachi and you've got you know a couple of relievers, that's the kind of formula when Ole Miss's offense is going like it is, like it you know, has been lately. 
that kind of small group of pitchers should be more than enough to get you through. Almost isn't the deepest team from a bullpen standpoint, but their starters are so good. They've got some a couple of elite relievers, and that formula can play in a short series on a weekend in a super regional kind of format. They're kind of set up there. So it's again, it's all going to be about consistency from the offense and then getting out what they expect from their from their starters. Almost is at fifteen to nine in the SEC. If they get to eighteen, they probably host but there's going to be some sweating it, some biting of the nails. So you need to get to 19. That means two of three this weekend, two of three next weekend. If Ole Miss doesn't take the series this weekend, I don't know. It's going to be really hard to sweep Tennessee at Tennessee. So just win the series. It's a big series. This feels like a bigger series than many series you've seen in the last couple of years as far as what it means for this team in its postseason yeah, I mean, there's a lot at stake for sure, um, but I, I don't think it's the end of the world if you just get one. I think you have to get one. Obviously, you can't get swept. But I think if you even if you get one, um, you go to Tennessee next week. I think they're good enough to at least get two out of three, and you've got a shot at sweeping. Then you just go to Hoover, and Hoover's gonna. Ole Miss was really good in Hoover last year and made that run, and it, and it mattered. And um, I think you could totally see that again. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if they go to Hoover and kind of make up a game or two there and, and kind of make it work. So if they do lose two out of three this weekend, it's not the end of the world. It just kind of puts a little bit more pressure on that week in Hoover. And they probably got to go a day further than they, than they probably do now. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben and Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. I also write for the Ole Miss Spirit, OMSpirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern Woodman representative. It wasn't so long ago, I'm talking a couple of months, where financially I needed some help. Not that I was struggling, but getting my finances in order, organizing my money, so that I'm in the best position for retirement, preparing for college for my kids, and everything else. I'm sure most every one of you can relate. And that's why you should do like me and contact Thomas Chandler today. He's your local modern woodman representative, and he'll get you right for retirement or savings or whatever you need. He's done it for me. He'll do it for you. What does modern woodman do, though, you might ask? Financial security for you and your family through life insurance, financial planning, and financial services. Quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities. And community impact through volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. It's time to get rid of your financial burden. Contact Thomas Chandler, 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. Or you can check him out at www.modernwoodman.org. www.modernwoodman.org. That's Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast is also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The car buying process can be overwhelming. Believe me, I've been there recently. And you're just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell right now. So you, the consumer, need to make sure you're taking advantage of all the deals available to you from Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. And what separates Alan Samuels is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. They're hardcore Ole Miss fans and they'll want to talk some Ole Miss baseball, basketball, spring football just wrapped up. Football coming up in the fall, and of course, Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. But above all else, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible and get you what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford today. That's just past Kroger, Allen Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Allen Samuels, let's be friends. Not a lot going on in Ole Miss men's basketball right now. But that's only because Ole Miss is waiting on Kadeem's side to make a decision. I was told by a couple of sources this week that there is a possibility that a decision is coming this week for Kadeem's side. And as things are standing today, LSU is out of the picture, and Ole Miss at least believes that it's down to Ole Miss and Pittsburgh. Now, Kermit Davis, the head coach of Ole Miss men's basketball, can't talk in specifics about recruiting, but we can talk a little bit around it. And then Bennett and I can be the ones to break it down and try to get into it for you. It's Ole Miss men's basketball coach Kermit Davis on the Cheney's Pharmacy phone line. Kermit's deep off in recruiting, not just 2019, 2022. And you're also having to deal with some exit interviews with players and coaches and everything like that. Kermit, how's it going right now? It's going good. You know, we, we got off the road last Thursday. The NCAA then gave us four extra days after that 
uh, spring evaluation weekend to kind of follow up on on the 2020s that that we've seen. I know for new staffs and even hours being able to go, you know, if certain available guys are there to do some work uh, in the 19 class, trying to finish that up. Our guys are all in exams right now. Most everybody's finishing up today and tomorrow. And, uh, and then we do, we have exit interviews with everybody from, from players, every person that touches our guys support program. So that's what I'll do for the next probably four to five days. You can't get into specifics, but you got one spot left for 2019. It's getting a little late in the spring signing period. For those who don't know, how does it work if a kid doesn't sign, for example, by what is the designated last day of the spring signing period? You can still add there, but what's the real challenge for you and your staff as you try to add players after the fact? Yeah, you know, I think everybody's – there's still some really good available, not many. Uh, So – you know, we're all, everybody gets in a position as the pool gets lower for guys that can really affect high-level SEC and national games. And everybody's kind of fighting over select few. Obviously, you know, we're involved with one guy that's, you know, I think everybody's aware of, and he's getting close to making a decision, so we'll see. And, uh, you know, so obviously we need a big, and we need power, and we need versatile power. Uh, we feel good about our other spots on our team, and uh, so, you know, and if that doesn't happen, we're, we're still involved with some uh, grad transfers that may be coming available in the next uh, week. Some guys may have not come available. Uh, some guys are hitting the market. So, but, you know, Ben, we don't want to take a guy to take a guy. We've got to take a guy that really improves our team. So we're not just going to add a guy to add a guy. And, uh, you know, we got to have a guy that can really, really impact our squad. There is a difference between the spring and the fall as far as the pool that you're dealing with and you're recruiting to, the competition, and uh, what all aspects you got to deal with as far as landing these players. What are the challenges, do you think, spring compared to fall? It's not the same. It's not the same kind of pool or anything like that. Yeah, it is because you know what happens. Uh, weekends get get hard to get official visits on. You know, like we got this time management thing, right? One of the best weekends for us, Ben, is to visit kids over the Easter break and that weekend. And the way the time management rule reads, which I think we got to do some different things with time management, but the average person has no idea of it, is on a a holiday weekend, you can't have any players to host your players at Power 5. And so because it's considered a holiday. And so you can't do that. So that weekend was off the board. So then all of a sudden, the guy wants to take two or three visits, and he hadn't done it, a junior college player, whoever, grad transfer. Then it's just so many weekends. He can't visit on the final four weekend. Uh, he couldn't visit last weekend because we're all we're all evaluating in the live period. So that's how sometimes these things get stretched out. And the thing you have to factor in, Ben, is new coaches getting new jobs. And so like us last year, then you just – then all of a sudden, here comes new competition. You know, and then sometimes that can get guys to wait to try to take another visit. You mentioned you want to add a forward. What's your evaluation of the position right now before you've added anyone? Because Diamond Bruce are gone, Carlos Curry redshirted last year. What's your evaluation of your bigs as you're still waiting to see if you add another one? Yeah, you know, obviously we feel very, very good about Blake and KJ. They both have had unbelievable springs, and KJ has put on great weight. Uh, Blake has had a tremendous spring, the maturity level of knowing what just they went through, you know, and understand what's ahead of them is priceless. Uh, Luis Rodriguez, kind of a small forward. If I put more time in the gym than anybody. And, uh, and then, you know, you, we feel good about Sammy Hunter, uh, but these are all young guys. You know, I think Rodney Howard's going to be kind of what Carlos did this past year, you know, about being a, a red shirt type player. Carlos has, has lost, Went from 19% body fat to 11. Has lost 19 19 pounds of fat, but only 12 pounds of muscle. So his body is totally transformed, and he really had a really really good red shirt year. And uh, so, you know, so those we we feel good about it. We I just think we need experience. We need to add one experience forward that can really play. 
interesting about Carlos is Ole Miss fans, media too, for that matter, really don't know what Carlos is. What was your evaluation of him coming out of high school as far as what he could be and what do you project him as now? What could you see him bringing to the table once he does step in and play in games? Yeah, you know what happened, Ben? Like, we signed him at middle, like Oklahoma came in and offered him. I mean, Florida State offered him. Florida State offered him and wanted to put him in a, in a post-grad. And so everybody saw the potential. Wow. You know, uh, Carlos is not one of these guys, Ben, that's ever played on these really big EYBL, Nike, AU circuits. So he wasn't exposed to a lot. He hadn't been playing basketball all that long either and didn't play at a high school program. It's, you know, that, that so he's – he, we all knew what was ahead of him. I was going to redshirt him at middle, and we came to Ole Miss, we redshirt him here. And But i tell you one thing. He is every bit of 6'10", 6'11". He can run. He can shoot. Uh, he's a great kid. He wants to learn. He just he just got to get out there now in the line of fire. So at some point, he's going to be a really good player, and we need him to play in games next year. What's your philosophy as far as redshirting bigs? That's something you like to do. You want to be doing pretty regularly. Yeah, I just think here, you know, I mean, obviously we're starting to get involved with, you know, some high-level players, and uh, and then you know, and and that I know freshmen can come in and play right away like Blake and KJ did, but I just think at times, boy, that that Ole Miss, everywhere, you got to be able to evaluate and project, and and so, you know, these are the guys that I think at Ole Miss sometimes you got to have to to be successful with, whether it's Admiral Schofield at Tennessee or Grant Williams or TD who averaged one point a game as a freshman. I mean, you've got to be able to project some of these guys, and as long as you've got some depth, you can you can afford to redshirt a guy like Carlos and maybe redshirt a guy like Rodney Howard. All right, so Devontae Shuler and Brian Tyree going through the NBA draft process. What's the update there? You know, I just think they got their evaluations in, and uh, so we'll, you know, both of those guys are just kind of focusing on exams and uh, – and we'll probably, you know, make some kind of announcement maybe in the next, uh, you know, two to three weeks, but but before the deadline, and uh, so we'll just kind of take it from there. How can Brian Tyree improve as a senior? You know, I think this. Uh, I think Brian's decision making as a guard. Uh, I, I think he's one. I think he's the best guard coming back in the SEC. I'll tell it to anybody. I think he'll get some votes. Be preseason player of the year. Uh, but I think he is just a turnover, being able to play make for others, uh, being just be he's got to be able to be a lockdown defender, you know, and guard for longer periods of time. So I, I think you know what happens. Brian made all this progress from his sophomore to junior year, and Brian and I have met and talked to him about now this next bit of progress is going to be tedious, and that's the hardest part to make, you know, because there's not just this huge room for improvement. There's a lot of room, but he but he's got to take that next step. And and I think he one thing about Brandy is a real smart guy. He knows exactly what he's got to work on. Interesting about Devontae is you and I have talked about this before. Say what you will and the contributions that Brian and T D made and they were immeasurable, but Devontae was inarguably if not the MVP, certainly one of the most valuable players for you last year as far as the progress that he made. But as a lead guard, now stepping into year two, playing point guard exclusively, how can he open up his game even more to fit that role that he needs to play as your lead guard in, in a Kermit Davis offense and defense? Yeah, you know, I mean, he made he had the most improvement of any power five guard from the three-point line, 26% to 40%. So he really is an underrated shooter. I think he's just going to get – He's just going to be involved in offense more. Uh, I, I want to be able to move even Devontae around more, uh, play the one, play off of it some to kind of get him some sets to get him more shot opportunities. Uh, obviously, just to stay healthy for the whole year. You know, he, he played through injuries, which was great, and, and I think he's going to have another fantastic year. He's just got to improve, keep improving and, you know, and just get in the gym a lot more. And, uh, so I, I do. I, I think a lot of good things are ahead of him. And the fact that, you know, Ben, he's playing point guard for the second straight year in his career. He's going to make tons of improvement. He just he got a grasp offensively now what everybody else is really doing. I've always heard about those exit meetings, how they go. What is a Kermit Davis exit interview when a player sits down with you? What are you breaking down with them? I, I do everything. You know, I bring an assistant coach in. 
with him and let the assistant coach have feedback. I go from, okay, when are you going home? What's your three week plan before you come back in the summer? Uh, let's look back over the year, your thoughts, your improvement. What'd you learn? Talk about biggest weaknesses, biggest strengths. I go over their dorm experience as a freshman, apartment experiences. What are some ways we can improve it? What are your food meals experience on campus? Any way we can help you improve those things? We go through uh, anything that our staff can do better uh, off the court issues that maybe our team had, off the court issues individual players had, good and bad. Uh, we will go through – uh, goals. I mean, so we do a lot of different things. It's not just all basketball. You know, I, I love to ask them about their experience at Ole Miss, how we can help to improve that. Uh, you know, I mean, Carlos Curry may say, Hey, the bed was too short in the dorm. You know I mean? <laughs> I mean, just, we go through everything, you know I mean? We just, I want to get feedback from them too, about what we can do, you know, tell me about your experience and what we can do. And so, and then I hope, you know, that they're honest and then the assistant coach can talk. And uh, so we go through a wide variety. It's 30 to 35 minutes. So it's not that, hey, you need to get your jump shot better and hope you have a safe trip home. And we really try to get in depth about different things, you know, that can be expected. Summer goals, uh, individual goals, our team can get better. We may even talk about travel. You know, I mean, everything. We're just trying to kind of go through a lot of different issues. You hear it all the time. The most improvement usually happens between year one and year two. So in those exit interviews or your evaluation of Blake and KJ, what have you been telling those guys? They mean so much to what your program is and what it's going to be moving forward. Yeah, you just, you, you got to just watch the time they spent in that gym. And I mean, KJ Buffin now weighs about 225. I mean, he came here about 204, probably end of the year at 215. His body looks so much different. He's become a more confident shooter, uh, which, you know, he, we, we need him to, to make threes and shoot. And those are things that he's concentrated on. Uh, Blake, playmaking, playing off-ball screens, setting ball screens, becoming more versatile offensively. Yeah, i tell you one thing. You did, I, I feel so good about those two guys. And even like Franco Miller, I mean, now he's probably 95% healthy. It's good to see him and kind of what we thought he would be. And, uh, you know, Luis Rodriguez, I, I really like our young guys. They they got great character, and, and they're going to do well. You mentioned Franco. I was going to ask about him. Do you got your fingers crossed now? Every time he seems like he's getting close, something happens. Yeah, you know, I just, I just met with Franco. He's flying out in the morning, and he just uh, – he told me he's by 95%. Uh, there's a new drug. I can't even tell you what the drug's name. He's taken for like 30 straight days. His last uh, dose is today. That's helped. He had so much atrophy in one quad, Ben, that was putting a lot of pressure on his knee. And uh, Daniel Boyd and and uh, Andrew, our trainer, have done a, a great job. We got three different uh, opinions on everything, which I think that's healthy. That's healthy. And uh, so the last opinion was the Andrew Clinic, you know, Dr. Andrews in Birmingham. And he said the same thing, you know, about, you know, the pins that are in, leaving them in, different things that we're doing was all reinforced. And so uh, I just think he and his family feel very comfortable. He's just excited that he's feeling so much better. But you're right, Ben, knock on wood and now getting through the grind of day to day. Yeah, just wrap him up in bubble wrap and then send him back home. <laughs> you know? That's what you got to do. Uh, uh, I'm telling you. Sammy Hunter is a guy that everyone's excited about. For you, is he positionless? You're not looking at him and saying, "Okay, that's a four or a five. He can play wherever you really need him, right?" Yeah, he just he just he he needs he just now. I'm not saying it's egotistical. He just needs us right now. You know, he just needs to get here, and he's graduating later, so he can't get here till the second summer term. And uh, but you know, he just got you know involved. Obviously, the MVP of that. There's a really nice Canadian All Star game there, and uh, he just got tools. I mean, he's just he's six, eight and a half, huge, long wingspan, can shoot, run, jump. He's just young, and he just needs Riley Allen, the strength and conditioning. Uh, he needs us touching him, you know, the days of the summer and getting to a system and weights. And, uh, yeah, he, and on top of that, Ben, he's a great kid. I mean, great kid that just wants to learn. How close did it get 
at the end of his recruitment because when y'all went after him, y'all got in on him first. Y'all got in on him early, but then a bunch of other schools came in. Was there ever a time where you're really sweating? And you're always kind of sweating until they signed, but uh, you felt good about Sammy for a while, but how tough did it get there toward the end of his recruitment? You know, his mom and dad came and just loved it. Obviously, Franco was a big part because, you know, I mean, uh, Franco's from Freeport and Sammy's from Nassau. You know, you, you got to fly from one aisle on the other. But, you know, just having Franco here, uh, Coach Yo was a, a great part of it, too. You know, another just she was terrific and just making the family understand, you know, you always got support here, you know, from, from family and people that they know. And you're right. Everybody tried to get him to visit. He just he just felt great about Ole Miss. He just, his family felt great about it. He had a great mom and dad. And, and obviously, you know, the old saying, you've heard it a lot, you don't want to go to Ole Miss, don't take a visit. And a lot of, that was the case of Sammy Hunter. You talked about it a little bit during the season as it was happening, but you really wanted to give yourself some time to reflect on the first year getting to the NCAA tournament. Now that some time has passed, now that March is a couple of months in the rear view, when you look back on what was done, there were some ups, there were some downs, but ultimately what's Kermit Davis's sitting back in the nice, comfortable chair with the glass of lemonade saying about that first year? What's your thoughts on it? You know, Ben, when you start thinking about where we were this time last year, you know, and that's what kind of you reflect on about recruiting and guys coming back and, you know, a lot of question marks. Uh, and then when you start watching us play in Canada, I'm so proud of the progress just uh, our culture is not where we need it to be yet, but that's getting a lot, lot better. You know, two first power five staffs made it to the NCAA tournament and it was Louisville and, and Ole Miss. So when you start looking around the league and how hard it's taken, and how long it's taken some of these staffs in the SEC to get to that tournament. It, it's not, it's no easy process. So when you look at it from that vantage point, and then, the, and then the huge thing, Ben, was just, God, what about the fans? I mean, to see that grow. From the first time we coached a game in the Villiers, 5,200 people, and thank you to every one of those that came. To see that place, and I'm telling you, was the best venue in the SEC, uh, the student body. Uh, they think that we're going to break all the records and season tickets sold, the anticipation. So, God, Ben, there's so much to, to be thankful for. and. Uh, you know, it was just a, an outstanding first year. And that's probably my biggest thing, not from 20 wins in the tournament. That was great. To see the connection from our fans to our players and staff, that was the biggest satisfaction of them all. Now, look, before we get done here, you haven't taken a breath since you got here. You haven't really taken a break. So are you going to get a summer to go to the beach or something? Where is Kermit Davis's vacation spot? you got to catch your breath at some point, right? <laughs> Well, I appreciate, you know, yeah, my wife, she told me, you know, we, uh, I tell you what, we were going to go to Scottsdale and they moved the Rebel Road trip on me. So I had to cancel that one for three days with some buddy of ours. But we are, we're going to go to Turks and Caicos. We're going to go 16th through the 19th for like three nights uh, with Betty's sister and my brother in law. And then really the only thing we've got planned is we're going to, Maybe go to the SEC meetings a couple of days early so our players kind of get back and we'll get right into workouts. But we are looking forward to the week from Thursday of kind of hanging out uh, in an island we've never been before. Are you much of a golfer? God, man, I, you know, I played on a high school golf team. I played all my life, and I'm playing the worst golf of my life. So <laughs> I did. I went down to Old Waverly. It was take a first swing in cancer. Uh, my son-in-law, who's a terrific golfer, Sean Tui played with us, and a buddy of mine from Murfreesboro, and we finished second. I, I didn't give him much help. I recruited the team now, so I'm doing a pretty good job recruiting. <laughs> Tui played his tail off. I'm telling you, Tui was good. And uh, my, my, my brother-in-law played good. I enjoy it, so I, I've got to get Malloy. He's got to get his, his mind off his own team. He's got to right. get his mind on my team, okay? You know, screw. We, we can't worry about the NCAA tournament. We got to worry about getting my game right. Okay, That's right. so I got to do a little bit better in that fan. I got to get better. Yeah, my my whole thing is I've been playing all my life, but the older I get, the worse I get. I don't know how that happens. That, that's my deal. I used to. I'm serious. I was never a great golfer, but I used to play bad and shoot 85, 86. Didn't break 70 a lot. And now I just I don't. I you know I got to eliminate one side because I'm hooking. I'm slicing, so I don't know where it's going and 
So that's no fun. And I live on a golf course, so I've got to go out there and start trying to get my game better. Yeah, Kermit Davis, he's just like us, slicing shots, duffing <laughs> shots, just like us. He's Ole Miss men's basketball coach, Kermit Davis. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. We'll talk again. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you having me on. For all your pharmaceutical needs, Cheney's Pharmacy is the place to go. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney's Pharmacy. Chinese Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Almost men's basketball coach Kermit Davis, you heard from him right there discussing things as they stand right now. He wants to add a big if Ole Miss doesn't get Kadeem Sai. He didn't say it explicitly, but he was basically talking about Kadeem Sai. He was talking about Kadeem Sai. If he doesn't come, Ole Miss, he said, would then go into the grad transfer market. Javon Franklin, the Holmes Community College forward, would be a target there. It's interesting to think about Ole Miss basketball recruiting. They have an obvious need. They entered the spring, and all these targets they had that were really interested in them started falling off the board. There were people out there wondering, oh, how's Ole Miss going to make room for all these good players? The numbers always work themselves out. They're not going to land everybody. And now they signed Austin Crowley a big get, but there's still that obvious need at the five. So if Kadeem's side doesn't happen, if he does pick Pitt over Ole Miss, Ole Miss thinks Pitt's the main competition right now. Where do you go? We don't know those grad transfer names. We know about Javon Franklin. Safe to say Ole Miss is going to add someone else. Figuring out who it would be if Kadeem Side doesn't pick Ole Miss, that's the mystery. And it's the thing about the college basketball offseason that I don't know if people really kind of pay attention and realize everyone looks at the signing periods and at some point people think, oh, you know, it's it's May. Things will slow down and and really – the basketball offseason goes on forever and player movement goes on for months and months and just really never stops. I mean, you look at last year, John Petty reclassifies in August and enrolls at Alabama the next week. And so it, it, it's a constant thing where there's so much transfer, there's so much roster movement um, that even though it's May and the season's been over for a while and you think recruiting is going to slow down, there's always going to be more guys that get into the transfer portal, assistant coaches leave, head coaches leave, whatever. It's definitely going to be one of those things where obviously almost wants to get Kadeem Sai. That would be option A, finish things up, wrap things up, wrap this roster up. But if they don't, it, it gets pretty interesting just to kind of see – who else is going to pop into the transfer portal? I think there's some, there's going to be some guys that do, but it also at this point, there's not a whole lot of big guys out there that are available. So Ole Miss isn't the only team that needs a big guy. And so there's going to be plenty of competition for those players, just like there is plenty of competition for Kadeem Sai. So it's definitely going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be a really fascinating couple of weeks to see how Ole Miss plays it and where they go if they don't get um, their first choice. Some news there from Kermit Davis, the gains made by Carlos Curry, the body fat he's shedded, the body mass, whatever you want to call it, body fat percentage, all that crap. I'm not healthy. What, what, what the hell do I know? But yes, <laughs> Carlos Curry making some gains, KJ Buffin coming along, Blake Kinson attacking the offseason, and then Rodney Howard probably going to redshirt. When Kermit Davis says it explicitly on this podcast – that his thoughts are Rodney Howard's going to redshirt. You can pretty much take it to the bank that Rodney Howard is going to redshirt. So when you look at the front court without adding a five, Sammy Hunter, K.J. Buffin, Carlos Curry, they need somebody else. Obviously, Kadeem's side would fit exactly what they want. But like Kermit said, they're not going to just add someone just to add someone. They have to be getting someone they believe is really going to impact winning games in the SEC and high-level NCAA competition. So you're right. The market doesn't end in the May Wednesday day, that is the last day of the spring signing period. I think it's like the 15th, 16th, 17th, around that area. It doesn't just end there. South Carolina added two players in like July last year that impacted winning two of their major contributors. Yeah, two of their best three players. Yeah. Know, two of their best four players, You know, however you want to shake out their roster. That's how um, it works now. And there are going to be players that we haven't heard of, I haven't reported, that – come available in the grad transfer portal are weighing their environment, weighing their situation right now and are on the lookout for something, a better opportunity elsewhere. So that's definitely going to be something that Ole Miss plays in, if you will. It's going to be out there and involved. 
they're not going to keep that spot open is what I'm saying. So if you think they're going to hold it, they'll find somebody. There's so much focus on, on it from an Ole Miss perspective, but also from a movement perspective, the signing period kind of means a lot for other guys. So there's a week or two left. I don't know what the date is for the for the signing period, but there are guys on rosters right now that two weeks goes by and their team signs a Juco big or a freshman big. They say, well, that I don't want to do that. I'm going to bounce. And so those are the guys that they could go in the portal and then Ole Miss could have some interest there. So much can kind of happen here in the next couple of weeks as rosters shake out, as guys kind of end their recruitments and players that are on campuses now they may feel good about the situation at this point, but things can change pretty quickly. You add another big guy to a mix, to a rotation, suddenly maybe they want to go somewhere else, find some more minutes to, to play. So, Or you have guys that become available in the grad market that maybe they're on the borderline to graduate. They graduate, they go into late to the portal, and there they are. So there's so much that can happen here. I know it's for fans it's probably frustrating because from their perspective, I can see it. You, you know Kadeem Sai, he's been the target for a long time. And you've seen some of the backup names kind of go off the board. So from their perspective, they see Kadeem Sian and not much else. But Kermit is not a dumb human being. They've got backup plans here, but they're just not publicly known. I mean, they've got plans. They've got plan B, plan C, plan D. But those things aren't going to be publicly available at the moment, unfortunately, from a just attention standpoint. The deal with Javon Franklin is if Kadeem Sai spurned Ole Miss, I think they'd be all over him. The problem is his health. They just went through that whole year ordeal with Franco Miller and his health, and Javon Franklin broke a bone in his leg in November. That That's the struggle right now. Like Javon Franklin fits perfectly with what they're looking for, has a lot of high major offers. West Virginia is really deep in there with Javon Franklin. It's not like he doesn't have high offers, but when you're dealing with a roster in so limited spots and you've already had – the injury issues that you've had with the Franco Miller and you're maybe going to deal with him again, even though he said in that interview, Franco tells him he's at 95%. Everything's going well. We've heard that before. So you got to keep your fingers crossed. You hope that he wraps himself in bubble wrap and takes care of himself over the summer. But do you really want to have that kind of uncertainty with that spot? Because you have well, some uncertainty, and that's, a, and that's a tough thing because obviously in an ideal world, you find a guy that checks every box and there's no worries. But also at the same point, there are only so many of those guys available at this point in the calendar. Everyone at this point, for the most part, you know, there are some some legit dudes out there that can really play. Like Kerry Blackshear is out there, probably going to go pro. But if he doesn't go pro, he's going to probably end up at Kentucky or Texas A&M with Buzz. Um, the transfer from Virginia Taylor. That dude, there's no worries there. That dude is a all-league caliber player. You get him, you put him in your in your big man rotation, and you're good. But there are only so many of those guys out there. Other than that, you know, there are going to be guys that have flaws in one way or another. And for Ole Miss, it's about deciding how much do they want to risk from an injury standpoint or from something else. So it's tough. They've got to kind of minimize what they want to find out. And, and like you said, um, they're probably going to be more cautious from an injury standpoint than some other teams may be given their situation and, and their needs. I can tell you this. If Joey Brunk had popped for Ole Miss, told Ole Miss weeks ago, I want to come, they'd have taken him and said it's over. It's done. We're going to take Joey Brunkies, our big, and let Kadeem Sai go about his business, probably. Not that they don't love Kadeem Sai, but Ole Miss would prefer not to wait this long. The problem with Ole Miss is that it's not in Indiana, and Joey wanted to stay close <laughs> to home. He's got some family right. situations. He wanted to stay close to home. Indiana came with an offer. Had Indiana not come with an offer, he was going to Ole Miss. That's what was going to happen, but that's how this works. You're working with such a smaller pool than what you usually work with, like, say, in the fall, building up to the fall class. The spring class – all these schools got needs, and there aren't a lot of available options. Why do you think Ole Miss desperately would love for Jamin Brakefield, for example, to reclassify to twenty from 2020 to 2019? It's because they're in it for him. If he switched now, he'd probably end up at Ole Miss. They don't want to go through the whole fight with him, and they have a huge need, and there's not a lot of options right now. You have to wait for options to present themselves. Yeah, once those options do present themselves, everybody's coming in. Yeah, and that's the thing, especially from a positional standpoint. You know, it'd be one thing if Ole Miss had a good big man and, and their their remaining roster need was a combo guard or a wing. Like you can go look in the transfer portal. You go look at the at Jeff Goodman's transfer lists and their rankings, and there there are guards and wings to be had. Um, you know, if you if you need a guard, you can go out and find a pretty good one right now. Uh, but if you need a guy that can play the five in a, in a pretty big league. 
There's just not a whole lot of options. There are guys that can be kind of a stretch forward option, but if you're looking for someone that can play center and do some of the things that Ole Miss wants those guys to do, which is shoot, stretch a little bit, block some shots, rebound, there's just not many of those guys. And um, as we've seen, every team out there is always looking to add big man depth. I mean, Kentucky's hit the big man grad transfer market two years in a row now. They've got Travis Reed from Stanford last year. They got the kid from Bucknell this year. So if Kentucky's out there looking for grad transfer big man, you know that everyone else is out there looking for grad transfer big man too. So positional scarcity really comes into play when you're looking at what Ole Miss kind of needs, unfortunately. That Bucknell kid was a target for Ole Miss. But again, smaller pool, all these schools going to pursue the same guys. And when Kentucky comes in, it's hard to compete with Kentucky. And that's not just an Ole Miss thing. That's anybody. It's hard to compete with Kentucky for any type of player, especially in the spring. Yeah, and Sestina is a really good player. Um, And and for him, obviously, he sees what Reed Travis did at Kentucky last year. um, And it's a pretty natural fit there to go in as a big man, get coached up by Calipari for a year, and be on a team that's going to be uh, one of the best in the SEC, as they always are, and, and make a run of the tournament. So, like I said, it'd be one thing if they needed a wing or a guard, um, they could go find one pretty easily. But because they need a big man and they need one that's more of a five than a four, it's just there's not a whole lot of guys out there. So you've got to wait. You've got to wait out Kadeem Sai and you've got to wait out the transfer market. And um, they'll, they'll get a good guy. I have no worries there. They'll end up with a quality option. But I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say it may not be stressful at, at one point or another. Yeah, that's right. And the thing about their five is they're looking for a particular profile. That makes it tougher. Like, they don't want to go get Dominic Olenicek. If they wanted another Dominic Olenicek, they'd have just kept Dom, who ended up at Florida State. I have no idea what Dom was thinking going to Florida State. I don't know Yeah, how I'm not really play. sure. I know they had a couple of big men graduate, but I know they've got some guys there as well. I, I know Leonard Hamilton's a good coach. He's a very good evaluator. But I, I am surprised that Dom did not go somewhere that would kind of guarantee him some more playing time and a more prominent role. Obviously, from a team standpoint, Florida State's always quite good now. That will be good for him. But from just a production standpoint, um, whether it was Charlotte or some of the other schools he had interested, I'm surprised he didn't go down to a lower level and um, try and put up some numbers. Yeah, that's right. Because I think for a while it was either thought to be Charlotte or Vermont that was going to land him. And Charlotte's really bad, and they, they were really bad last year. They hired the assistant from Virginia, and I think he's going to turn things around there. They need production. They need guys to come in and play. So I thought from a just a, hey, you played in the SEC, go down to to play at Charlotte, you put up some numbers there, you're not going to be on a good team. They're not going to win many games. Yeah, but that but helps if, your profile. Right, yeah. If you want to go play and put up numbers, you know, that roster is the, the kind of roster to go do that at. Um, I don't think that Florida State's the roster to do that. I don't think Florida State is the league to do that at. That's a league kind of similar to the SEC, very athletic, very physical, quality big men up and down the league. Dom has his strengths, but matching up against strength and athleticism is just not – those aren't his strengths. And so I, I think he'll be – Matching up with any athleticism isn't his strength. Yeah, well, it's like you go down to the lower levels, though, and I think it's easier to do it in the, the CUSA or the, the Big South or something like that. I think he'd be pretty good there because there aren't that many great big men in those leagues. But the ACC, they got really good big men. They got really good players there. And I think it's from just from a physical standpoint, athleticism, speed, um, speed of the game. I just think he's going to be very similar to how he was at Ole Miss, just overmatched, unfortunately. You read the story I wrote yesterday on Ole Miss basketball. You listened to the interview. What's your overall assessment of where recruiting is right now? What stands out for you? Um, I mean, this isn't really recruiting, I guess, but I guess it could be for a year from now. But I'm intrigued by the Franco Miller stuff. We'll see how it goes, but it kind of seems like maybe they've turned a corner there. And so I want to see how that works out because we kind of forget he's been hurt for so long. and He's just never really kind of played here. That was a big win for them on the recruiting trail with a lot of big-time schools. I mean, that was Oregon. That was Oklahoma. I mean, this was not uh, not a guy that Ole Miss won easily or got over some schools that were kind of mid-majors or anything. He's a really good player when healthy. So um, I think that kind of interests me, and that really affects what they want to do next year. They're going to have some guard spots available. I know they've got Jarko Joyner sitting out this year, but – a healthy Franco Miller really changes things from a 2020 need standpoint. Um, so I, I, I'm just kind of interested to see how that goes. And if he is healthy, 
how that kind of changes who and what they go after in the 2020 class. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bennett Hip at Bennett Hip. I ask Bennett every single time he's on the show co-hosting on Thursdays what he's most looking out for in Ole Miss sports over the weekend. So what are you most keeping your eye on for Ole Miss sports? There's not a lot of options out there for you. It's very limited, so it's a pretty easy choice. But um, I, I'm I'm very interested in this baseball series this weekend. Um, I like good pitching, and both Ole Miss and State are going to throw it really well, and it should be a a big atmosphere at Swayze, and hopefully the weather works out. But um, I think if things break right for Ole Miss this weekend, and they can take two or three, we really start to have a discussion here on them kind of finding their groove, kind of getting into a rhythm. Um, getting off of the, the the bubble host and getting into being a solid host and at that point just kind of playing for seeding in terms of 1 through 16 ranking the seeds. So I'm just kind of fascinated to see how they do and if they can get two out of three, things kind of get real for them and they're in a really good spot. So it's uh, the margins are pretty small there, but if they can find a way, uh, they're in really good shape, I think. It gives me a good laugh, though, thinking about Ole Miss if they close out the season pretty strong getting to the postseason, I still, if somebody asked me, Ben, what do you think about this team? What's your assessment? What's their identity? I don't know. I don't know. I have a better idea on their identity than I do what they are going to do going forward. I think from an identity standpoint, they're a team that, that pitches it pretty well and they get timely hitting and, and they just kind of piece it together. But from a what are they going to do in the postseason standpoint, I have no idea. This is a team that, fairly or not, has acted and played and just kind of been completely different uh, in a regional standpoint at home in Swayze as opposed to the regular season. They get up tight, they stress out, they kind of freak out a little bit. Maybe that happens this year, maybe it doesn't, but it, it makes predicting what they're going to do pretty much impossible. It's very unnerving, I'm sure, for the fan base, and that's kind of been evidenced in how people have handled this baseball season, which has been a roller coaster of one week wanting to fire everybody. The next week, oh, they're really, really good. They're going to host a regional, blah, blah, blah. It'll be interesting at the very least. It'll be entertaining. But, yeah, if you're trying to tell me you know for sure how Ole Miss is going to do in the next month or so, there's no way no way for you to know. Not a chance. What's been fun to watch is looking at the team for next year forming, like Kevin Graham coming on. And Doug Nikhazy being ace potential, Gunnar Hogland turning a corner, Josh Hall contributing in many ways. Yeah. You can start to see what the team could look like next year. It looked pretty dire when you tried to forecast it earlier in the year, but now you can see the pieces coming together. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have some holes, obviously, but you've got Tyler Keenan, you've got Zabowski, you've got Josh Hall. I mean, you've got these pitchers. I mean, there's, there's a really solid core there. You're not going to be without issues. You're not going to – um, they're going to be some, some for sure competitions and stuff and fall ball to kind of figure out some roles, but they're going to bring back a pretty high level of talent. And so it's not, maybe they're going to be able to pitch their asses off. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll see how the draft goes. If things break their way, um, I think you could have a, a pretty much a ready-made, uh, replacement for Cooper Johnson. You also have Knox Poser and guys like that that, that can step in. So you're going to have guys there again, you know, Mike's thing, they're, they're going to be good. Um, it just matters about how good, but they're going to be good. And um, I think we're kind of seeing the underclassmen kind of emerging to the point where, yeah, they're going to lose some guys, but Ole Miss is going to be pretty good again next year. He's been at Hip. I'm Ben Garrett. This has been Talk of Champions. We did our best. We did the best we could with very little information. Thank God for Kermit Davis today. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't know if we could have filled an hour by ourselves talking baseball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could have done it uh, talking about the Braves and stuff, but I, nobody sure wants to hear the Braves on this podcast. I don't want to hear the Braves on this podcast, frankly. I don't um, either. Yeah. As someone who stayed up yeah, way too late to watch them lose on the West Coast this week, I, uh, I'm not, they're not exactly my favorite topic of discussion yeah. right now. Yeah. Remember when the season ended in LA and you knew the Braves weren't close to the Dodgers, and you thought this is the offseason where they make up ground, and then they go into Dodger Stadium early this and season. you realize they're, uh, they're still not very close to the Dodgers. <laughs> not even remotely. Still a long ways away. But they are going to lose. The, the good thing is they've lost. Um, they've gotten down to big to big deficits early, so I can go to bed. And yes. um, I enjoy watching baseball games uh, in Dodger Stadium. Just visually, I enjoy watching baseball games at Dodger Stadium. So just don't expect the Braves to win. 
Oh yeah, just disregard the score, but um, it's uh, it's always fun. So. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Who's your team in the NBA playoffs? Oh, it's tough. Um, well, I think I, it's not going to be anyone out of the West. Um, I'm kind of over Golden State. I get no pleasure out of watching Houston play. Um, they're very good. They're very efficient, but it's like nails on a chalkboard. Um, I really like Toronto. Um, I really am kind of thrilled for Marcus all as someone who enjoys rooting for the Grizzlies. I'm, I'm kind of thrilled for him to get into a place where he's playing meaningful basketball. So either Toronto or Milwaukee, uh, Giannis is fantastic. They're really fun to watch. Either of those two, um, are kind of who I've hitched my wagon to. And I say that as someone that's more of a casual NBA fan outside of the Grizzlies. I'm the same way, but I've hitched my wagon to the Bucks. I'm all in with the Bucks. I'm all in against anybody against the Warriors, but if I have to pick one, I'm picking the Bucks. This has been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been at Hip at Ben and Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions and check out my stuff on the Ole Miss Spirit. OmSpirit.com and a of 247 Sports. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.